you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Well, hi, everybody. This is Melissa, and Dane is not with me today. However, I have a dear friend and someone who has done one of the interviews with me. It's our certified practitioner, one of them in Montana, Hertha Lund. Hi, Hertha. Hi, Melissa. I've had people ask me since our first interview about your unusual first name, and I know the story, but I want you to put it in your own words. Hertha, H-E-R-T-H-A. Where'd the name come from? The name came from my dad's mom. When mom went to the hospital, they did not know she was going to have twins. She had twins, and my dad, who didn't usually assert himself in these matters, said, we're going to name her Hertha after my mom. And my mom didn't really like that because my grandma didn't really like my mom. Anyhow, <laughs> they named me Hertha and they named my twin brother Harlan. And the name is German. It's very old German and it means Mother Earth. Nice. Mother Earth couldn't be a more fitting name for you and how you move through the world and how you do all the things that you do. So I want to tell our listeners that if you've ever dreamt of going to Montana, Hertha Lund is your reason and your gateway to go there. And we're going to talk about her retreats, her beautiful new retreat center, and a lot of the offerings that she has coming up in the fall. However, I'm really super excited about your book coming out. I've, I know you've been working on this book for a long time. The book is called Alchemy of Resilience. And the tagline is My Rugged Path to Wholeness. And if there was ever an understatement on the face of the globe, My Rugged Path is an understatement, but absolutely fascinating book. And I can't wait to read my final copy of it because I've had the privilege of reading it in its different iterations and just very excited for you. So what process is the book in right now? Currently, the book is, I have a, a hard copy in hand and I got to look at the cover to make sure it was okay. The first cover needed a little bit of work, but now it's good. So next week we will be ordering them so we can start selling them. I'll do a soft release in September and a big release in October. And I just, I'm so excited about it. That's yeah. very exciting. It's like a child. I mean, you started this book. How long ago did you write your first words and had your first thought about forming a book? I'd have to say it would probably go back to being a child. And the first, there is, I do write, I guess I write poetry. Somebody said, are those your poems? I'm like, well, it's my writing. I'm not sure it's poems, but they said it is. And one of those I wrote <laughs> in my early 20s. And some of the other stuff, I've been writing stuff and stuffing it away, and I found it all, and it, much of it found some place in the book. That's great. That's great. So I know on the back of the book, it has a good description, but I'm going to ask you to make your own description of it. This was beautifully done, a tender-hearted and fierce memoir of healing from loneliness, despair, and excruciating physical pain. That could not have been easy to sum this incredible book up into one sentence, but that's a pretty good shot at it. How do you describe the book and what do you hope your readers take away? Because I can't endorse this book highly enough. It's really such a beautiful read. But what do you say about the book itself? How are you putting that in words these days? Yeah, I was. I thought you might ask me that, so I pondered some. It's actually a, a hard, <laughs> a hard question to answer. But I think in one way, you know, I had lots of childhood 
trauma. And, and I think the takeaway message is it really doesn't matter at this stage in life, but it did matter because the only way I could go through the portal to finding who I really am and to live wholeheartedly and more connected to oneness was with all the trauma that happened. And so in my introduction, I write right. that, you know, I would imagine that the, you know, my mom's abuse, you know, she was troubled. So, you know, she doesn't get a whole pass, but she had her own issues. The man who, uh, the teenager who abused me, all of that, you know, they caused me damage and it did matter. And it, you know, but now I say, as far as I took into the body, the shame that really belonged to him. Through the journey described in this book, his shame is no longer part of me. I remember doing that piece of gestalt work with you when we took that piece of your trauma out. And one of the things that we reframed was all that shame you had carried your entire life had nothing to do with you from the time you were a little girl carrying it and packing it around. It belonged to him and you gave it back to him. And that was an important piece of work, definitely in your gestalt work. Yes. And so that trauma through the process of working with you and becoming a coach, writing the book, becoming a speaker, all of those things were parts and parcel to becoming, you know, who I am today. And I now live in a much more freer state. I actually found a notebook that I wrote at one of the cores and it was like, Ooh, I mean, I went back to how it felt then and it was pretty horrible. It was pretty raw. But I don't yeah. live in that place yeah. anymore. I live in a place where I'm no. creating and making things happen and serving others. And you know, I'm so I had no idea life could be this good. <laughs> well, you have a beautiful lightness to you today. I just remember so fully meeting you, and you had brought your friend to a retreat I was doing for both yourself and your friend who had a deep trauma herself to go through this retreat and the Gestalt work and. I remember thinking how beautiful a soul you were because everything that came from you came from such depth and insight, but you didn't speak very often. And it was really clear to me this sort of, I don't know what the word would be, sort of a glazing of sadness and pain that was over you. And so as it's lifted, 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 and as you've done your personal work, and I really think writing this book was a piece of personal work all in itself. As you've done all of this, you have such a lightness when you walk into a room or into the arena today. I think you're a light that just draws people towards you like moths to a flame. So very happy for you and very honored to have been a part of your healing process for sure. So the book to me, and I probably have a a different viewpoint a little bit because I'm outside. I'm not you. I'm outside of you. I found it personally fascinating, all the twists and turns of your career and your educational journey was as fascinating to me as all the traumas. And maybe because I knew your traumas intimately after working with you, but the twists and the turns and the way you write about how it felt to be in each step of the journey in your life, which was rugged, but the levels to which you excelled. So, I mean, so many things in your life, you've gone to the top of the game, the top of the game, the top of the game. And so quite, quite impressively, 
all the way through. So do you have a way to put in words? I don't want to give too much of the book away, but I want people to understand no matter who you are, you want to read this book. So can you walk us through just a little bit of your educational twists and turns and where you went? Because it's fascinating. Sort of your bio. Yes, sure. Um, So after high school, I was going to go to pre-vet and pre-med at Colorado State, but I took a turn and went to MSU, Montana State, where I actually played, I walked onto the basketball team and I was on the rodeo team. So I had two varsity athletics and I was a pre-med, pre-vet student. And that was, everything was going great. Now, no, one of my strategies was to work hard. So it actually, the interesting part is that my trauma fueled my success because that's one way I dealt with the pain is just to get good at everything. I wrecked my knee playing basketball. So now I no longer can do that. And that's the first time I ever kind of collapsed into a hole. And so, but I, you know, I continued on with um, college. We also lost our family ranch and I no longer had access to um, my parents' money. So I had to work all the time and I went to horseshoeing school. So I became a blacksmith and a horseshoer and I was actually very good at it. I did an internship at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Kennett Square. That's where they take, I took the, some of the racehorses that get hurt, they take them there. Anyhow, I did that. And then I worked as a horseshoer, a bartender, a janitor, a waitress, everything I could to you know, finish college. And then instead of finishing, getting my degree and applying to vet school or med school, I went and managed a ranch for a while. And while I was managing the ranch, I wrote about national issues, policy issues. And instead of just getting written, published as letters to the editor, people they wrote them as op-eds. And people said, you should be a writer. So I followed my heart and I decided I wanted to be a writer. And I went back to college on the East Coast. And I decided to go to the East Coast because I was a little bit indignant about people from away from the West telling us how to live. But I thought I would be equally as ignorant if I didn't go live with them and try to figure <laughs> which is, out. Which was brilliant. I mean, here's this Montana girl, and that's not a small thing in a young age and all by yourself in the world to jump out to the East Coast to go to school. And I, I loved that. I loved your adventuresome willingness to take a look at, well, maybe instead of judging these people, I need to go see what that's all about and then be able to, you know, to look at it with a clear view. So you're out there and you went to school then to be a writer, a journalist. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. when I first moved to the Philadelphia, I didn't have a car. I didn't have clothes. I mean, I'd been working on a ranch, so I had boots and tennis shoes and jeans. I did not have clothes that were suitable <laughs> to work in a I got a job working at a, a press, Temple University right. Press, and I had other jobs, three other jobs that I worked around the clock. But I had to borrow money from my aunt to buy clothes, and I felt so out of place in the city. I listened to the sound of music over and over again in my headset <laughs> because I just felt so uncomfortable and out of place and missing the mountains and my horses and everything. But I did it, and I was on the dean's list for a few semesters, and I I was an op-ed writer for the Temple University Press because I I had such a unique view on things. I once started an article. I used to be in solitude amongst 10,000 acres. Now I'm amongst 10,000 and less than an acre. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Wow. So you go to be a journalist, and then what happens? You're doing these op-eds. To be a writer, everything I did, I would try to apprentice myself to somebody good and I would start at the bottom and work my way up. I actually delivered a newspaper once that I was working as a deliverer and I wrote an article in it. Anyhow, 
I come back to Montana and I work as a freelance writer and I sometimes cover a story, sell it three ways and I'd have to write it three different ways. But I was picked up to go. I moved to Minneapolis and worked several jobs as tried to get my freelance writing business. And I called into DC to do an interview with American Farm Bureau Federation. And as I usually, the agriculture press wouldn't talk to you if they thought you were a journalist because they didn't get a fair shake. So I say, I was in 4-H, I rodeoed, I used to ride horses, I'm from a ranch. And they, they barely got done introducing myself. And they said, are you looking for a job? So I interviewed and I moved to D.C. within two weeks of that <laughs> or three weeks. I was in D.C. covering Congress as a journalist. Our Montana cowgirl standing in Washington, D.C. And then what? And so I did that for three years. And there was a, some court cases that year. It was in the early 90s. And it was the top cases some of the top cases in the country on the Fifth Amendment property rights. And as I was sitting there in the wings being a journalist covering the story, I decided I didn't want to write about it. I wanted to do it. And so I then worked to take the um, bar exam, not the bar exam, the um, test that you have to take to get into law school, LSAT. So I had to take, the, I took the course and then I, I got in, I went back to Montana because I figured I would want to practice in Montana. And so I moved back to Montana to go to law school. and. I had to work several jobs to work myself through law school because, again, I'm broke, broke, broke. I covered, um, I worked at the Montana legislature for the Montana Farm Bureau, and I wrote op-eds for them. And I, I helped draft legislation for the legislators to introduce. And then after law school, I clerked for the chief judge of the United States Court of Federal Claims, which was a pretty big deal. I was his first hire, and most of the people who went there were like, you know, from Harvard and Yale. It's a very big deal. It's a very big deal. Yeah. So he interviews you and what's, what's his thought? All I know is that after we got done, we had to do it by phone because he didn't have money to fly me there and I didn't have money. And after I hung up, I thought we'd laugh through it. I told him like what it was like to grow up on a ranch in Montana and we were laughing and, and then we're done. And I'm like, God, I either really blew it or got a job. <laughs> <laughs> he saw excellence. <laughs> So you go to work for him. Yep. And um, he would, we sometimes would go to these dinner parties and that's when um, Justice Scalia was still alive. And there would sometimes be three or four Supreme Court justices. And the other law clerk was beautiful, gorgeous. And she and I would walk beside him. I actually, side story is I actually had her take me to a salon so I could learn how to put on makeup and do my hair because <laughs> I looked at her and I thought I could compete and lose or I could ask her for help. So right. I asked her for help. Anyhow, we're at one of these parties and she said, will you introduce us to Justice Kennedy? And um, so J Judge Smith took us over there and he said, this is Monica. And she went to these schools. And then this is Hertha, the state champion horseshoer from Montana. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I was so hard trying to fit in. And Judge Kennedy, Justice Kennedy says, do you know where Glendive is? He said, I used to work the oil rigs there. So we had this amazing long conversation oh, about great. our manual hard labor jobs in Montana. And so I decided it was okay if the judge introduced me that way. Yeah, it makes you real. You know, that's that's the thing. You're, it's not about being polished and looking good. It's about substance and being real. And that's who you are. So then did that further your determination to become an attorney? Oh, absolutely. I, I was, yeah. it, it, it was very hard for me because now that I've taken, you know, your program, 
my personality is not necessarily the perfect personality type to be a lawyer. And I had to work. It was a very steep hill to climb to be able to fit in and to work and to be linear and analytical. But it's almost 30 years. And now I can kind of shine the skills that I have to talk to people and read people. I've done two jury trials this year and it's been amazing. So I still will practice some because I know I have worked hard to get the skills. Oh my gosh. And then you come into my program and knock that out of the park and you have a complete left-hand turn without signaling again in your life into a totally new career in which you're excelling at as well. So all of that and more is Hertha's book, Alchemy of Resilience. It will be available in the Touch by a Horse store. It will be available directly from Hertha, from her website, which is Four Horses to Wholeness. And so you'll be able to get this. And more, more than likely, uh, in a few months, I'll have Hertha on again, and we'll get the feedback from this incredible book. The book is not a heavy read. It's a heavy topic, but I think the way that you told your story in the book just pulls the reader along. And it's a fascinating journey with so much candor and so much honesty, what it was like to be this girl without any money out on the East Coast where everybody had been polished up and knew how to dress and what to wear and how to do their hair. And that wasn't your childhood, nor was it your life up to that point, and how you navigated it all so brilliantly. So I'm very excited for people to get their hands on this book and and to get to know you through the book. And after they get to know you, they're going to want to come to your new retreat center. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. Our equine gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our master equine gestaltist program builds your gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. So let's shift gears just a little bit. You and your wonderful husband, and how old were you when you you guys got married? 47. That's right. 47, first marriage. For both of us. Love of her life. Yep. First marriage for both of them. I remember the story. If if you haven't heard the story of how they met, please listen to her first podcast with me because it's really a cute story of how they got together and how they met. But you have this beautiful ranch and I have done my retreats next door at Bonanza Creek, which belongs to June Voldseth and their families are connected. Your, your husband, John, and the Voldseth family connected. And your ranch is the view from your back porch takes my breath away is so beautiful. And last summer, I think it was summer 22, I was up there doing a retreat at June's, came over to see your place and your retreat center was just started. I don't know if you remember what state it was in, but like the, you know, the bare bones grounds were cleared and they had delivered 
the living trailer for the for the clients. But today, I just saw pictures of it that a friend of mutual friend of ours took. My gosh, Hertha, it is so beautiful and so truly Montana. I I love it. I would love to come and just stay there and stay there and stay there. It's awesome. So say a little bit about your retreat center and what your intention is with it. And I think you've had a couple of retreats in it now, right? I have had one and um, I have another one in September, September 7th through the 10th. The first retreat was so amazing because everything we did, we created it for this purpose. And, but you don't really know how everything's going to work until you get to try it. And it, it worked so well. I mean, the horses, literally people, I'm in the retreat center right now and right behind me, probably 30 feet away, monks in his stall. People are here. The horses literally are right next door. We have a a built-in place, a kitchen and a common area and a lovely um, place to meet. But then above here, there are three bedrooms. And then I have two, what I call trabins and they have bedrooms on it on each end. And those are also very nice. So people are as close to nature and horses and being with them throughout the whole retreat as you can be and not be actually sleeping in the stall. So Right. And even the drive. So they most people fly into Butte, right? Into Bozeman. Butte. Bozeman. Okay. Yeah. Fly into Bozeman and drive out to the ranch. I've always driven up from Denver, which is a beautiful drive across Wyoming into Montana. I would say if you are coming from Denver to hurt this place, the drive is worth it. It's really a beautiful drive. And coming up there, you are leaving what you take for granted every day of your life, but what the rest of us live in, you're leaving traffic you're leaving people, you're leaving the common things that we see alongside the highway. You're leaving all of that out into the mountains and the farm fields and the meadows and the cattle and the deer and the peace and the quiet. And it just gets softer and softer and softer as you go along. So, wow. I mean, really, truly the journey there and just being there is such an experience. Walk me through a retreat. I know how I've done my retreats, which you've attended a couple times to mine, and you are a certified practitioner of my method as an equine gestaltist. But if someone were deciding to come to your September retreat, I should say, do you have any spots left first? Do you have any spots left in that retreat? I do have two. Okay, two spots left, people. Two spots left. Get a hold of her now. And so that retreat, walk us through sort of what I would experience if I were a client. As you said, coming here, you're, you climb, we're at a mile high. As I sit here in the retreat center, I look over a, a beautiful field, hay field, but then I see you know some rugged country in the background and the mountains, and it's quiet. The horses are right here. So it's my whole purpose is to help people find themselves with horses through mother nature and through the gestalt coaching. So Thursday, we would get together, we'd gather up and um, connect. We have, I have, I have hired a really good cook. So we have dinner together and we, we visit some that night and then you get, you know, the evening to settle into being in, out amongst the stars. I mean, there's no light pollution. So you get the broad, you know, Montana sky and stars. We start the next day with an opening session and most people, we mostly, we just work together with the horses and we do lots of fun stuff. We, there's nothing set. It all is dependent on the group on what they want and where they're at. And we will laugh. We'll, we'll share our stories. Some people, you know, we may cry some, but at the end, everybody leaves with a looking like they've 
you know, gone to gone through some type of inner transformational process. To me, it's the most amazing thing. And I have the most amazing horse named Mystic. And what I've learned from Mystic, a lot of what I learned about my inner healing, I learned from the horses. And Mystic is 16'1, but she's over 1,700 pounds. She is a big girl, but she's natural horsemanship talks about this soft feel. And Mystic is really good at doing soft feel if you're centered. So you can learn by just leading her, which is how I actually start out the sessions, because if people feel that soft feel inside themselves, which where they're congruent and how she responds, that opens the door to so many healing experiences and awareness throughout the week. And then at the end of the week, we'll end with some um, exercises where you can use the cones and kind of figure out what you want to do when you leave. It's your, it's your life. How do you want to implement your changes? And mystic is a little bit brutal because if you're not really congruent, she won't move. But before you felt that soft feel, and now she's telling you you're not quite congruent. And then if you find that place inside of yourself where you have the, the congruence and the strength, she'll be back with you. So it's a very interesting to watch. And I have, I have a total of six horses and each, I, they're all present doing the work. I built the barn so they could all be present and they get to step forward and work with who, you know, I kind of watch who they're in, in sync with. And I never know for sure what's going to happen. It's just, I just feel so grateful to spend my life coaching with my horse group. That's beautiful. And you're doing everything that I, I was hoping and more. So it is so much about trusting the process of Gestalt and not pl over planning or planning anything. And I, I love how you said that, Hertha, because that's really the beauty of it is waiting until that first circle and everyone sits down and begins to share and the circle deepens and becomes more real and more truthful. And as it drops in, then the gestaltist, you, are able to follow what's needed. And the, that's what the horses do. That's how they live their life. And that's exactly what they do. And so you're very blessed to have your beautiful six horses that you have. So I know you and I share an addiction and we probably should confess to that publicly that we have this addiction. I don't think there's a 12-step program for it, but we're both deeply addicted to the Gypsy Vanner breed. And so you've got your Gypsy Vanners. How many of the six are Gypsy Vanner horses? horses? Five. <laughs> That's where I'm at too. Five gypsies and one quarter horse stands in my barn, two paints in the field. So yeah, I think we're, we're equally matched on the whole, whole addiction for that. You guys have, you and your sister have taken it one step further and you have some gypsy quarter crosses and foals that are they for sale or where are you with that process? They are. I'm actually going out there next week um, to be able to take pictures we have two purebred colts. Um, we bought some mares from Kathy, mm -hmm. um, who's also in this program, and they're Stevie Downs mares from imported from Europe. And we have two amazing purebred colts. One is a, a medicine hat, which means nice. she's um, a cremello color, but she has a light hat, and she's got two blue eyes. Uh -huh. She was the first colt born. She's pretty amazing. And then we have another filly. We have five fillies this year. And then we have three half-bloods, quarter horse, wow. gypsy crosses. 
which is a beautiful cross. I mean, the quarter horse gypsy cross, America loves their quarter horses, right? Because the personality of a quarter horse is very amenable to training, very easygoing, really fun, fun to ride, all of that. And the gypsy is all of that on steroids. So crossing them, I'm guessing you're getting a lot of athletic ability crossed with the beautiful gypsy and both temperaments are so strong. That's a great, great cross. So if you're looking for a horse, please go to Hertha's website site and check it out. Actually on your Facebook page was a mare with a newborn fold, just not even up on its legs yet. Which one was that? That was the medicine hat. Okay. Um, that's what I thought. The stud is um, Kent Superman. So we, she's named Lois. <laughs> that's great. Well, she's really cute getting up on her, getting up on her little wobbly legs and, and right after she's born. So you can follow all of that. So you have your Facebook page for horses for wholeness. There we go. And, uh, and all your social media is there. Your website has a lot of information and also how to reach Hertha. If you're interested in going to Montana and hitting her retreat, maybe you and one of your best girlfriends have always thought, let's do an adventure together. I guarantee you that retreat would be a life altering and deep memory for two sisters or two girlfriends to go take those last two spots at that retreat. The other way though, is I have a lot of women who have never traveled alone. And when they come to my retreat, it's one of the most adventuresome things that they've done is to say, I'm going to sign up for this experience. I don't quite know what it is, but I know there's horses and I know it sounds like it gives everybody a reboot in their life. And I'm going to go on my own to Montana, find this place, find this person who I've never met, stay with all these people who I've never met, which could be terrifying for some people. I have seen people absolutely go through that process and that's transformation for them just to say, I am capable, I am strong, I am whole, I'm going out there, I'm going to do this thing I want to do. I don't need my sister or my best friend. I'm doing it on my own and experiencing myself at the truest and, and deepest level. So I know you take very good care of people if anyone decides that they want to do that. So Hertha, what's the best way for them to reach you? If they listen to this podcast, they're excited about it and they want to reach you, what's the best way? The best way to reach me is to call. Um, I have a dedicated number to Four Horses for Wholeness and you will be returned. 406-282-4002. Give that one more time. 406-282-4002. Great. So yes, I know you would return their call and make sure that the experience is right for them. And I, I cannot endorse fully enough, Hertha, you, your new book, Alchemy of Resilience, which is coming out September, and people could pre-order the book, talk to you about the book, interview you for an article they're doing somewhere. That's always fun. And I thank you so much for doing this podcast with me today. I want to thank Hope Through Horses, which is the 501c3 that is a partial sponsor of our podcast. So we want to thank them as well for their partial sponsorship. Hertha, any last thing you want to share, anything at all that you want to share with our listeners today? There's something we didn't touch on today is what was the, you know, when I died and came back, I fully understand that my reason for being, and I think everybody's, is to use this life to become more whole and to live more wholeheartedly. And 
we all can do it. We're all special. We all have the resilience that we need. And that's why I wrote my story so that people could find it inside of themselves. And it's worth it. It is well worth it. So, and we start where we're at. I also want everyone to know is that the books that Melissa will sell, my book will, will donate to Hope for Horses. That's beautiful, Hertha. Thank you for that. And Hope Through Horses, I'm sure, is very grateful to you for that. And I just want to tell everybody, please check out Hertha Lund. Check out Four Horses for Wholeness, and you'll learn what that name is all about. If you're not sure, go back and listen to her first podcast with me that's on our podcast sheet a few months back, and look forward to her new book, and jump out to Montana this fall. It's a gorgeous time of year up there, and go see her new retreat center and be a part of the process up there. Drop any of your pain, anything you've carried in your life right into the sand, and or you could be a person who says, I'm ready for something different. I'm ready to learn about new parts of myself. That's what she's all about. So thank you for listening today. Thank you so much, Hertha. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.